You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. That's right, it wasn't a test. Oh, he fouled, he's not here. So no, no, Graham uh, continued the series last week and I heard great things, so much appreciated. Let's just get right in. We're going to have a look at the whole chapter today. And so a fair bit of Bible, which is awesome, and we're going to be unpacking the broader themes because the writer, John, has put these stories in this order for a reason. He's got something to tell us through this chapter and I think it's as always, from the word, quite powerful for us this morning. And so if you've got Bibles, if you've got a phone there you want to pull out, we're going to be looking through John 8 today and reading through. It starts with a very familiar story. Let's continue here, John 8. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning he came up to the temple. All the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. By the way, haven't forgot about communion. We're going to finish on communion, so just in case you're worried. And placing her in the midst. They said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? They said said this to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And they continued to ask him. He stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone. You can imagine those stones just slowly dropping. Jesus was left alone with a woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Who's heard this this first story before? I suspected most of us. Very familiar story. I just want to take a couple of things from here, but it sets this whole chapter up. In some earlier manuscripts, this story, depending on the manuscript, doesn't exist in this shape, way or form. And so it does exist, the story, but it's not here. It's moved around different things. But I believe the the author and those bringing this together has placed this story here for a reason to set the rest of this chapter up. Fascinating story. We don't know what he wrote on the ground. One of these great mysteries. Was it the sins of the people there? We don't know. Was he playing tic-tac-toe? We actually don't know. We have no idea what he's writing. And I love that. Um, One of those little mysteries. I also love the very beginning. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. This isn't one of my main points today, but I love that as things started heating up, as people started bringing accusations against Jesus, he knew all the more that he had to connect with the Father. Busyness, we've been looking at the practice of simple living this month. Busyness wasn't going to stop Jesus from stopping. He had very important things to do, but he still found time to go connect. My brother-in-law recently went there, and the Mount of Olives is not a small walk. It's an intentional trip up the side of a mountain to go pray with the Father. This was important. After the events of last chapter... He's taken a beat, gone back, refreshed, and come back down 
into more accusations, it would seem, more people trying to get him more teaching. And so, yes, they bring him this lady, they make accusations, and they ask him to, should we stone her as they carry their stones? Interesting to note just a couple of things about this lady. They're quoting Leviticus 20 when they say we should stone her. A couple of things to note. In that same book, it talks about a very rigid process, that would, a very rigid way of finding out all the details. And so this doesn't look that rigid. This looks like a setup. We don't know, but most uh, theologians, scholars I read, talked about commentaries, talked about this looking like it's a setup. They've just grabbed this woman. They did say they caught it in the act, but this is how we know there's something suspicious about that. If that was the case, then the man should be there too. Both parties were known to be this was the punishment. So notice he's missing, so it's likely she wasn't caught in the act. It's likely she's known for this. And they've just brought her as an example to try to trick Jesus. They're looking for someone to blame. And so there's no due process. I'm not saying there should be due process for stoning someone, but there's no process here. And so they've just brought this lady, made accusations, haven't brought the guy, and so it's very poor what they're doing. Gross what they're doing. It's a desperate attempt to trap Jesus and in turn cast judgment against this lady. And although this is a different time and obviously a different cultural event, this is such a human thing to do, not the stoning. I don't know about you, but when I'm challenged personally or by events or by others, it's so much easier to point the finger at someone else, isn't it? Whenever someone starts coming at us, accusing us, we're feeling a little bit of pressure. These guys are under pressure from the Roman government. They're under pressure because people are following Jesus. They're under pressure because he's challenging their religiosity. They're under a little bit of pressure. He keeps doing these miracles. They're under pressure and he's kind of challenging them. And it's so much easier to go, it was the cat. The cat made that mess. The cat ate that last chocolate bar in the fridge. It must have been the cat. It's easy when you have three kids. Easy to blame one of them if chocolate goes missing in the house. What have those kids done? I mean, we won't discipline them, but we'll just, I'll go, to, I'll go talk to them. It's easy. You can point around and blame. We don't like it. We see this in a word. It's easy to blame the co-worker when we're feeling a bit stressed at work. It's easy to blame the boss. How fun is blaming the boss? It's not my fault. They're doing something. An employee, blame down. It makes us feel better. I'm not saying it's good but it makes us feel better about our work, our own identity. Even more, like, just as dangerous, gossip. Well, they're not doing so well. It makes us feel like we're doing a bit better. Pointing other people's sin. It's gross. I'm willing to admit I have done this before. And hopefully today, as you're sitting, you can admit that sometimes we all fall short. We all like to see classic Australian tall poppy. We don't want to see someone rise. We'd rather take them down because it feels, makes us feel better. Push them down. So a bit of gossip here and there. A bit of just gives us a little buzz. Pointing at other mistakes. Because it's way better than focusing on ourselves if we can take the attention off. I've got this little Spider-Man meme that I thought some of you would have seen of them blaming each other, pointing each other. Blaming. We love to point the finger we love to blame others, very human, pushing each other down so we can get up. But Jesus calls their bluff. 
He calls out this destructive, shameful, sinful system. This way of living, a system of shame, a system of condemning. This is how they were living in this system of just blaming each other. This religiosity as if killing her was going to make them better. It was gross, but they were stuck in this system. Shame, condemning, destruction of religion. And he puts them in their places and slowly they drop those stones as he calls them out and walk away. Now, this isn't, okay. this isn't to say Jesus is okay with her sin, not at all. But he frees her from that system. Condemning her wasn't going to help her and it wasn't going to help anyone else. He frees her from that. He says, you're free. Go home and sin no more. I don't know what she did with that, but I like to imagine when you encounter Jesus and it's an almost death experience, you change your life. So I strongly believe she stopped that. Stop that behaviour. These Pharisees, these scribes, these people, this this lady stuck in this cycle of sin, shame, judgment and ultimately distraction. No one was going to win from that event. What a horrible way to live. The only solution they could come up with is blaming each other. So I've called this the system. This first story showing us this destructive system this morning. And I've also referenced whether this reference works. For some reason, I thought of this when I thought of it, this system. This is the next slide, boys. This is called the Gravitron. Who knows what this is at least? You don't have to have been on it. Gravitron spins you around... And there used to be one, there may still one be at Dreamworld. It's been a while since I've been at Dreamworld. But it, you stick to the back of the wall and you're stuck on it. You can't move. You can try to be brave and sort of uh, like move like that, but you're stuck and it just spins and spins and spins and spins and spins and you're trapped. And stay with me even if you're not connected with this bit or you had a bad experience on a Gravitron. But this is what it reminds me of. These Pharisees, these people were stuck, spinning around, trapped, pointing a finger, but just trapped there, just spinning in this system. It's gross. Blaming each other, condemning each other, picking up stones instead of looking at themselves. And then when Jesus comes and starts speaking truth, what do they do? They pick up more stones. They're trapped in this system. There's an inside, the picture of the inside, if you haven't seen the inside of a Gravitron, stuck to the walls there. This thing spins and trivial force gets them stuck to the side. This sin, shame, judgment, destruction as it goes around. And we see this in our world in 2023. We see this. Politicians, world leaders blaming other leaders. No one ever stands up and says, hey, I made a mistake. It's, oh, it must have been their fault. It was wrong information. It was them. The right side blaming the left side and the left side blaming the right side. They're all, no one can ever own up. It even gets worse in our culture that somehow culture's turned women against men and men against women. Some of them have turned us against each other. We're blaming them, blaming them back and forth. It's horrible. People digging around celebrities or leaders' old social media accounts from like 30 years ago and pulling up things to cancel them. We've all got a stone, don't we, in this world? All got a stone ready to throw at anyone. Because Why? What makes us look pretty good? If a celebrity's failed, then therefore, oh, I'm all right. 
but it doesn't, it just goes around. Massive movements of deconstruction, which isn't bad in its essence, but no one's reconstructing. Everyone's got a stone ready to take down. Religion's facing this at the moment, rightfully so. A lot of people critiquing the church for some very good reasons, not Jesus reasons, but Christian reasons. We've done some dumb things or very bad things in the name of Jesus throughout the years. It deserves a bit of deconstruction, but no one's looking to rebuild better. It's just let's tear the thing down. Let's throw some stones, not self-reflect. It's just tearing down so we feel better, stuck in the Gravitron. But there's hope, of course, and that's where this chapter continues. Let me read a bit, bit of thick again. If you've got your Bibles there, pull them out, because we'll just be reading a fair bit this morning. Let me go from 12. Straight after this, again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness and will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself? Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is still true. It's true. For I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. But you do not know where I came from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Again, he's hinting at this judgment. You judge everyone. You judge what you see right in front of you. You're not looking. You're not reflecting. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it's not I alone who judges, but it's the Father who sent me. In the Lord is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor the father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. We'll continue. So he said to them again, I'm going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says, where am I going? You cannot come. He said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Of course, he's talking that in this system, you're going to die in this, guys. You're, gonna, you're just in this broken, gross, religious, destructive, blaming system. But we have Jesus, he's come. So he said to them, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true and I declare to the world what I've heard from him. They did not understand that he'd been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority. But speak just as the Father taught me and he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do things that are pleasing to him. And he was saying these things, many believed in him. Some are starting to get it, but a lot don't. Jesus calling himself the light of the world. Reference multiple times in the Bible, but probably looking at where it's mentioned in Isaiah, which talks about the hope. It's funny, these, the Jewish people were meant to be the hope. They were called the light of the world to the Gentiles. 
But they haven't done much of that. They've been standing around looking who they can stone, pointing the blame in their little club, fearful, blaming, destructive, blaming each other. So Jesus has come and said, oh, well, I'm the light of the world. So yes, very offensive. He's just taken their name off them and said, I'm the light of the world. Uh, but in that comes hope. Because light does two things. It's the lamp on our feet shows us a way forward, which he's saying, I can give you a way forward. But also does another thing that's more painful. It illuminates. My dad did some, um, he's, he does phone systems. He did some work on some of the nightclubs in Broad Beach and surface running phone systems in there. And he showed me pictures of what these all littered up clubs look like at like 10 a.m. in the morning. And there's paint peeling off the wall. They're dirty, just empty back rooms. No one sees that because the lights are off and they turn some pretty lights on. We don't like turning on the lights if there's things to hide, if there's mess there. And so as Jesus illuminates, both he shows a way forward, but the bit that gets him cranky is he's starting to illuminate their own broken process. By him saying, who without sin, or who, yeah, throw the first stone, he's illuminated something in them and they don't like it. We don't like it when the lights turn on if there's mess there. And there's mess there. And so Jesus has come to illuminate, but show a way forward. He is the light, he is the truth, and he is the way. It illuminates a way forward but it's also illuminating their system of oppression, shame, judgment, and ultimately destruction. It's illuminated their sin. Quickly turn the lights off, I bet they're thinking. No one likes to be illuminated when you've got something to hide. Let me keep reading. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, again, this is what he's saying. If, if you hear this this morning, if something's resonating with you this morning, then listen to this. This is the, for those that were starting to believe. He said, if you, so he said to the Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Almost like he's opening the door of the Gravitron and saying, I'm coming over to give your hand out of here. This will set you free. This will get you out of the system. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is that you say you will become free again? Denial. We're not slaves. We're not trapped. As I hold on to their stones. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. They don't even realise they're on the Gravitron at full speed. I know that you are the offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. I speak of what I've seen with my father and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Again, pulling old stories up, old heroes, old things that they used to do to try to justify now where they've become. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you'd be doing the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You were doing the works your father did. And they said to him, you were not born of sexual immorality. 
We have one Father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me, for I come from God and I am here. I came not on my own account, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of Father, you are of the Father, sorry, you are of your Father, the devil. And your will is to do your Father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. And does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear him is that you are not of God. Jesus is starting to get a bit pointed. You are the children of the devil, Satan, the accuser. You're just walking around ready to accuse me because I'm telling the truth. Because I'm illuminating some things you'd rather not. And they go, yeah, yeah, but we used to do really good stuff. Our forefathers did some really good stuff. Some of the stuff's not all bad. You're missing the point. I'm standing right here. You're trapped. You're slaves. You're in this endless cycle of blame. Put down your stones. Get off the Gravitron. Come follow me. You're starting to get a bit more deliberate, Jesus, we see in John, as you, for those who have been travelling in this book. Calling them the children of the devil. Liars, refusing to admit the truth. It's like laying on the Gravitron and they're just yelling at each other. As they spin around. This is your fault on here. This is your fault on here. Neither helping anyone. And then the final part. 48. The Jews answered him. Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? I kind of laughed when I read this again afresh. So inclusive are they that the two worst things they could call Jesus was, well, you're a demon or a Samaritan. Like, they just are so hateful. They're even hateful to those that are just closely related to them just down the road that Jesus has already tried to uplift. But so, in, like, internal are they. So just in their little club, in love with themselves only and blaming each other that they're just, you're like, you're like one of their neighbours, Jesus, the Samaritans. We hate them too. And you're one of them. It just shows how trapped they are in this little tiny world of theirs of blame, resent, shame, hatred and destruction. You're a demon and, oh, you're a Samaritan. (laughs) Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honour my father and you dishonour me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my words, he will never see death. The Jew said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. If my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is God. But you have not known him if I know him. If I were... You've not known him if I know. If you were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. 
So the Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out into the temple. He starts to reference what the author referenced right at the beginning of John. In the word there was in the beginning there was the word. Jesus says, I know Abraham <laughs> because I was before Abraham. I was the word at the beginning. I have a way off this. And here's the saddest bit, and this is why I wanted to read the whole chapter. I know it can be confusing. I know it's a translation on a translation, and then we're here today, but it's good to read the word sometimes in full context. Amen? How's this for the end of this chapter? How sad. It starts with them picking up rocks. Jesus just reveals the truth to them, and it ends with them picking up stones again. Back to the Gravitron. Back to the system. Starts and ends. It's poetic. They've learnt nothing. It's a simple message this morning, I believe. Jesus has come to illuminate and wants to give you a hope. This morning, there, you could have walked in ready to thinking about your boss that you're blaming, thinking about employee that you're blaming, thinking about someone else in this church that you're going, I hope they're at church today because they need God. You might be just so fueled by someone else's problems. Maybe it's a family member and maybe they have real problems, but you've just, you're just holding this stone around, ready to chuck it at anyone who fails, ready to chuck it at the next person so you feel a little bit better. So that you, you, we honestly start to believe that will save us. If everyone else is worse than us, maybe that will save us. This morning off the back of this message, I'd love to encourage us to just stop for a second and maybe do this and reflect on where do we need Jesus' light and hope today? What system are we trapped in? Whether we've been a Christian for one year, we're not sure if we're a Christian yet, or we've been a Christian for 200 years. All have sinned. And this morning, I just want to encourage you, what, 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 is, what is the gravitron in your life at the moment? Is it alcohol? Are you trapped in substance? Trapped by it? Trapped by the cycle of it. Your Saturday mornings are fueled with hung, hungoverness. <laughs> it's not an English word, but you know what I'm saying. Is it the pokies? Is it these sports bet apps, apps that are everywhere? Is it just you're addicted, you're stuck in this cycle, this gravity, you can't get out because the next bet, that'll win it all back from the money you lost before. I'm not, if that's you, there's no judgment. I am a sinner too. All have sinned. You're not going to get off by knocking someone else. Well, it's not, it's not as bad. I only go to hit the pokies once a month. I'm not as bad as that person. That's not how it works. That won't get you out of the gravitron. Maybe it's anger. Maybe in a cycle of anger. Maybe it's jealousy. Maybe it's sexual immorality like this lady. And that starts with just a too long a picture on a social media post. And you might be thinking, well, I'm not doing this. No, but you're doing that. And it's affecting you. Maybe it's greed. Greed's this weird one we kind of celebrate in the Western church. <laughs> We're like, Their sin, those sins are bad, but if you're a little bit greedy, you're kind of like, oh, all right, like, 
You're like, that's bad, but you're doing pretty well. So I'm not saying being rich is a sin, but being greedy, being obsessed, we kind of celebrate that. It's a weird one. What's it for you this morning? This is the invitation this morning. I'm going to get the band. Actually, this is what we're going to do this morning. We're going to hand out the emblems. But if you don't mind holding them, I would love you to turn to the person beside you or around you and just have a moment and say, what can I pray for you? It can be something you want to release. It may not be. It might be something that's on your mind. It might be a concern that you're holding. And we're going to pray for each other. And then we're going to take communion together in our own time in that space. Does that make sense? Is that all right? So we're going to distribute the emblems. I'm going to ask the volunteers to come on forward in a second. I'll pray. Um, do we have enough volunteers, Mez? For com- yep, great. Just come over here. We're going to distribute the emblems and then we're just going to have a time with those around us, one or two, and just pray for each other. And if you don't know what to pray, pray this. Pray that God reveals something to you that you're struggling with and he wants to illuminate it this morning. The Holy Spirit wants to illuminate it. It'll be painful. But then we can get out. We can leave and exit the Gravitron. Because I've got this one last picture, boys. I know you probably switched over the song, but if you have this one last picture. Because this is what Jesus did with it. This is a real Gravitron with some smoke coming out. He let them throw the stones at him, ultimately. He let them take that blame, that destruction, that system. He let them take that anger, that ready to get him. He let them take it and they heaped it on him from all time. The enemy, the accuser, Satan, heaped it on him on that cross, thinking we got him. Little do we know he's exploding the thing. He broke the whole system. (laughs) It's on him now. He's done the work. You don't need to blame anyone else anymore. He says to you like he said to that lady, you're free, but sin no more. You're free. I broke the Gravitron. Get out of here and sin no more. We see people, how sad is it in this story? We see people that literally would get off the Gravitron, do a loop and then get back on. Don't do that this morning. Don't put down your stone and then go, oh, I forgot this on my way out. Let me pray. And then we're going to take, communion's going to come out. Take it in your own time, but pray with someone beside you. It can be two or three. Just say, hey, how can I pray for you this morning? Can I pray for the Holy Spirit to illuminate something in your life? And then let's live it to, give it to God and walk out of here a little freer. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you I don't have to make things up to say. It's there clearly in the Gospel of John. You offer a profound, intense testimony and say, I am the way, you say. I am the truth. Those listening didn't even give it a second to think about. They didn't even try it. They didn't even press in. Let us not be like that this morning, carrying around our rocks, carrying around these burdens, carrying around these destructive habits, carrying around these addictions, carrying around this blame, carrying around this anger. Let's give it over to you this morning. Even if we don't believe in you this morning, we're not sure. Let's give it to you anyway and see what happens. Because something will happen because you are the truth. You are the way. You are life. 
So this morning, let us give this over to you as we remember your cross, remember your sacrifice where you took it all on you and broke the system, made a way back to us and the Father. In Jesus' name, amen.